Hey everyone, and welcome to the Eagle Community Church of Christ podcast. I'm the preaching minister, John Gunter. We're so glad to have you uh, listen to our podcast. This week, we continue our series on Revelation. We're talking about chapters six and seven. In, in chapters four and five, we started this throne room scene, uh, which of course is, is very interesting. But today we start six and seven, where we talk about the four horses of the apocalypse. You know, those things that really get our mind going and and trying to determine, is this now? Is this previous? You know, where, where is this? And so uh, to me, it's a, it's a lot of fun to dive into. You'll hear my thoughts on that. And uh, I hope that it's a, it's a great study and it'll be a lot, of, uh, a lot of fun for you as well. So come and see us anytime. And thanks for listening. Well, good morning again. I, I hope you got to look at all the kids that were sitting over here. Oh, my goodness. Y'all brought a crew. Thank you for bringing them. Uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful day of worship so far, and uh, uh, praying that as we uh, continue through the book of Revelation, that we're able to get something that, that helps, us, uh, helps us along life's way. So today, uh, we get to Revelation chapters 6 and 7. Again, I'm going to read the whole thing, because we, as many of you have told me, I've avoided Revelation. Uh, even my mom told me, and she, she may be listening, so hi, Mom. Um, even my mom told me it's something I did not know. So I grew up, I went to everything church related. I was really, doors were open, I was there. That was our family. And mom said that uh, she disliked Revelation so much that she would try to skip Bible classes. And that blows my mind. Like, I, that, that does not happen in my mind about my mom. So, uh, but she, she said in a compliment, she said, I've really enjoyed what you're, you know, as you're going through that. And so, I'll leave it to mom to be the encourager, right? I've got a great one. So Revelation 6 and 7. I watched as the lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, come. I looked and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow and he was given a crown and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. When the lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come. Then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make people kill each other. To him was given a large sword. When the lamb opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come. I looked, and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in its hand. Then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, two pounds of wheat for a day's wages and six pounds of barley for a day's wages and do not damage the oil and the wine. When the lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, come. I looked and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death and Hades was following close behind him. They were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, and plague, and by the wild beasts of the earth. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony that they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? And each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little while longer until the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed just as they had been. I watched as he opened the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red. 
Then the stars in the sky fell to the earth as figs dropped from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The heavens receded like a scroll being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and everyone else, both slave and free, hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They called to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can withstand it? After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or on any tree. Then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the land and the sea. Do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. From the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. From the tribe of Reuben, 12,000. Gad, 12,000. Asher, 12,000. Naphtali, 12,000. Manasseh, 12,000. Simeon, 12,000. Levi, 12,000. Issachar, 12,000. Zebulun, 12,000. Joseph, 12,000. Benjamin, 12,000. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they and where do they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. We're going to offer a song of invitation as we leave. No, right? Revelation 6 and 7. What do you think about that? <laughs> so last week, last week in, in chapters 4 and 5, we kind of get introduced to this throne room scene as John stands before the throne of God, and I don't know how much peace and comfort you got from seeing all these creatures with eyes and even wings and eyes on their wings, and anybody walk home and think, man, I just can't wait to be surrounded by these weird creatures. It's an interesting thing, right? And that's kind of why we avoid revelation, uh, is some of these things are like, I don't understand that. And what we talked about last week is really uh, what I think is kind of summed up in this is, is God is much bigger than we can imagine. God has more planned than we could ever imagine with our little brains. And so hopefully we're never to the point where we think, well, I've got God in this box. Uh, he can't perform anything outside this box. Hopefully that's never the case. But this section starts with one of the probably uh, most familiar uh, parts of Revelation as in trying to predict end times, and that is, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Anybody heard that term before? Yeah. And, and so what we see there, I'm going to show you just uh, three pieces of, of art around this. I think uh, all of these do a really good job. 
Um, what do you think about that? It's, a, it's an interesting uh, depiction. A second, a second way here. And then maybe one of the most famous is, uh, this, is a, this is actually a wood carving, which is why it's not in color. Uh, this is by a man named Albrecht Durer, and uh, he does a really good job. The only critique I have is someone who can definitely critique art. Um, I don't know if that horse is getting anybody anywhere anytime soon. I, I got some ribs showing. But as far as death, portraying death, that, that does a really good job, doesn't it? <laughs> so, you know, the rider's in rough shape too, yeah. Um, but uh, but I, I think all of this kind of captures our imagination. And so when we read this, we think, man, I need to figure it out again when all this, because remember Jesus starts by telling John, hey, I've got to show you what needs to take place first. And so we get to something like this and we say, well, is this something that's happened in the past or is it something that's going on now? And to that I say, yeah, probably, both. And so that's what, how we're going to handle this is this is not something, again, that's pointing to a time where John Gunter sits down with the Bible and says, I've figured it out. The year 20, I'm not even going to throw out a year because somebody's going to quote me on that. Again, Jesus says only God knows the day or the hour. And even when he writes to the churches, you remember, I'm going to come like a what? Thief in the night. You're not going to know. You're not going to know. So quit doing it. So don't come to this part of Revelation and think, yes, I got it. Okay, so he starts out with these, these horses. The white horse, and on it sits a man with a sword. I, I, I immediately thought, you know, I mean, the image is military, right? He says conquest. And so I searched white horse and general and guess what we got? I mean, that was it. I thought, well, I've got to use that. I mean, everybody can relate to that, right? And so in this image that John gets, part of this kind of plague on the earth type of thing is military conquest. Are military conquests always great? Well, are they ever great? Okay. People are harmed in that, right? People are killed. Uh, all that, I, don't, I don't care what you think about the, the American Revolution or anything like that. People are killed. It's a, it's a bad, war is not good, okay? Unless you feel like you're making money off of it, and then that's a different deal, right? And that's a whole different mindset. But, but that's, that's the first thing that, that God reveals to, to John in this moment, is that part of these four horsemen is this idea of man being on earth, going out in conquest, doing these very bad things. The second horse is a red horse, and it is said, to kind of take away the peace of people and even make people murder each other. Well, that's comforting to know. Anybody know who John Hinckley Jr. is? Okay, some of you do. John Hinckley Jr. is the, is the guy who shot Reagan. Okay, and uh, so we're talking about a horse that's riding out. He's gonna take peace from everybody, make people murder each other. John Hinckley Jr. murdered Reagan because he wanted to impress the actress Jodie Foster. He thought that if he shot Reagan, Jodie Foster might, you know, give him a phone call. Are there any ladies in here who are just waiting for a man to shoot somebody? Because that's, that's a conversation we need to have with law enforcement, I think. That's an odd deal. Now, the irony and the thing that makes this, it's never funny to shoot somebody. But the funny thing to me is Jodie Foster doesn't even like men. So... Completely ridiculous, period, right? 
But that's what we experience in, in the world, right? People fighting with one another. How many of you have ever had an argument with someone and then it's way after the fact and you feel mad, you know you're mad, but you can't really remember why? Like I'm still, like I still have that feeling. Sometimes I walk around the house, it's not even maybe against somebody. You know, but it's something I thought of that kind of made me, you know, and I'm walking around the house and I'm going, why am I angry? And I have to go back in my memory to remember why I'm angry. And then I remember it and then I'm angry again, right? But yeah, there's this, this idea of this, this person or this horse and uh, rider that go around spreading this division. Uh, the third is, is this black horse. Let's show up there. Yeah, okay, enough. Carrying these scales, these economic scales. And so there, there may be some, some injustice there as far as maybe being some false scales. There might be an idea there. Uh, but it definitely is like economic hard times. We, we may be in that right now. Okay, if you haven't had a really good raise or a raise in the last year, you are making significantly less making the same money, right? We just had to sign up for Texas' beautiful uh, choose-your-own-electricity company. Arkansas, you don't do that. Y'all know that? Other places in the country, you don't do that. You just get the electricity. It's called a monopoly. Not, not great, but we lost power less in rural southwest Arkansas than I do in my subdivision right over here. But my power is, is going to be like 50% more than it was last year. And so in some ways, you may experience some economic hard times. And, and again, that horse is a part of this vision. Did they experience those times then? Yes. Do we experience them now? Say yes. Yeah. And fourth, we have this pale horse showing famine and plague and uh, all the different things that, that go along with this. We just got a rain. Did y'all get a rain at your house? I hope you did. Uh, finally, that's a huge blessing. We need to be thankful for that. Uh, but, you know, the yard's getting crispy. Uh, you're, you're wondering why the, the ground is... We have some weird soil here in Texas. Uh, I'm thankful for people like Heath McCartney because that was one of the first things he told me. Engineering mind, I need to tell John about the, the terrible clay soil here. And you go outside and your, your soil is backed off a few inches from your slab and you wonder why it moves, right? But yeah, we, we experience those times. They experienced it then. We experience it now, right? And so part of the question is we, we see and read about these horses, you kind of go, what, do you, what are we going to do with this? And so the question about what about pain and suffering is a much bigger question than I can answer today. But it may be one of the biggest questions of our lives. I went to my, my library um, in the other room, in our game room, and I thought, oh, I bet I've got several books on that. And just a quick glance, I had three, uh, very easy to grab. And I, uh, I just want to show you, A, that this is a very well-written-on topic. And here are some good resources if you want them. Harold Kushner wrote, When Bad Things Happen to Good People dealing with this kind of thing. Philip Yancey, another uh, pretty prolific author, where is God when it hurts? And David Matthews, who I consider a friend, he works around the Harding community. Why do you hurt me, God? Do discovering God and life in the midst of pain. Uh, David works with uh, people in grief, people who have lost a loved one. He does grief retreats and things like that. 
And so we come to a scene like this, and we see where, at minimum, God has allowed these four things to happen, these, these four ways for things to go wrong in the world. And I think it's okay to wrestle with those things. The Psalms are full of things like, God, where are you? You don't feel close to me right now. Why are you far from me? And so we have to deal with loss. We have to deal with economic hard times. We have to deal with all of these things. And our main question is, why? What about pain and suffering? And I don't have all the, the right answers for you this morning. But I think one thing that, that we can do is we can be so focused on the why and the how everything works, and we come to Revelation, and all of a sudden we've decided we can figure it all out. But we can be so focused on all of that that we forget, like, the rest of the story. The irony of people who get upset with the way God maybe allows these things to happen so they choose to walk away from God is a very sad one. That all of a sudden, I, I'm no longer interested in the rest of the story because of, of this hardship I have faced. And again, that is to ignore the rest of what we just read. Well, what do we do with the 144,000 and the multitude? Isn't that an interesting thing? Uh, I think it's Jehovah's Witness still to this day use that number, 144,000, as in we've got to go tell the 144,000 that they are the 144,000. We've got to get to that number. And then the, I guess the world will end. And again, I just want to remind you that in the Bible, numbers are used differently than, than what we would use them. I said, I don't know, it was last, week, last Sunday or maybe it was Wednesday, but my oldest son is very literal. Now, I am literal too, and so he gets it honestly. Some of you are pointing, nodding, yeah, some of you like that. And so when we get a number, like Noah was in the ark 40 days, we want it to be 40, 24-hour periods, right? And at the zero, zero, he got off the boat, right? That's not the way the Bible uses numbers. We've got to get that in our head. I'm sorry. I would rather it not be that way. And so what you saw as we read through the tribes, 12,000, 12,000, 12, right? Every time. You didn't get to a tribe that kind of you know, struggled a little bit, and they had 11,459, right? So, so what this is kind of showing is, when the perfect number, when it's complete, when the world ends, okay? And, and so this is not some kind of, we need to identify the 144,000. No, that's not it. But what this is, is when it is done, when God chooses, I believe, uh, to, to say, hey, this is the time, that this is perfect and complete. Now, we also deal with the multitude here. Some people think that the 144,000 is the multitude. The way I read it, I, I think it's, I think it's uh, two different things that you have this uh, 144,000, this complete number out of, again, the tribes of Israel. And then you have this multitude, which it tells us right there is from every nation, every language, every, every tribe, every language, everything, right? And so I kind of think of it as, as two different things. doesn't matter. God's not asking me. I'm not going to get to heaven and say, God, I don't want to be here because I thought it was two multitudes. I thought it was two different sets, and that's not the way it is. That's okay, all right? We need to come to the Bible with, okay, God, you're God, I'm not. But again, this is not the, hey, we need to identify those that are saved. This is God saying, or this is God revealing to John that 
Look at all this. Again, another one of God's promises are shown to be true to John in this moment. That remember, uh, if you were in our Bible class, you kind of caught a, a glimpse of this, that the Jews were special people, were they not? Because they were given the word of God. They were given this relationship with God, okay? But, but also, you have to go back to the promise that God promised Abraham. He said, through you, I will bless just the Jews, all nations. And so what John experiences in this moment is not just the tribes of Israel, but he experiences people from everywhere. Again, showing God's promises are true. Notice this, it says, um, just thinking again, back to the pain and suffering. If we are so fixated on the pain and suffering and the why, and again, if you're going through something, that's okay. God can handle your questions, and I want you to ask them. The songbook of the Israelites is the Psalms. Okay, the Jewish people use the Psalms. If you haven't read Psalms lately, there's a lot of the, what I've just mentioned. There's a lot of being angry with God. There's a lot of that. I'm fine with you wrestling with God, being angry with him. You know, even if you need to use some forceful language, the Psalms don't go away from that. But if we get so sucked into trying to figure all that out or just being mad, we can miss, again, the rest of the story. In Revelation 7, starting in 15, he says, Therefore, this multitude, this big group of people, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Some of you need some sheltering from God right now. Like, let me have some of that right now. This is a promise from God. This is what God is revealing to John. Yeah, there's a lot of things that go on, on that are not good in this world. But those who are there, those who are his, those who, did you catch that in the, uh, uh, in the reading where the angels are just holding the wind back? They're just holding everything back. It says they're on the four corners of the earth. And you see the picture of them just holding everything back. Another angel says, you hold it all back until I, I put the seal of our God on them. Now, some people think that seal is like, like a baptism, like a, a point in your life where you've decided, I am God's, and God says, yeah, you're mine. And so we can miss all of that if we just stay in the pain and the suffering. He who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. Somebody needs to say amen to that. I know if you're friends with Mickey Bertrand, he likes the heat. I don't know why. Something's off, I think. I don't know. The hotter, the better for Mickey. He loves it. I, I'm looking forward to this day. Wives, your husband can never say, I'm hangry again, right? You never experience the hangry. Never will they hunger. Never will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. Amen to that. About 65 or so, right, Mickey? That'd be a good temperature. No, no, no. It says, for the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Ooh, I need that, right? That all the things we experience here on earth that aren't good, that we acknowledge that as we go through life, we go through hardships, that we, we face economically hard times. We face grief. We face loss. We face uh, this destruction of relationships. We get into fights with people over very stupid things. We experience all of this stuff. 
And if we stay there and we just keep ourselves there, it can ruin us and we can walk away from God. We can give up all the promises that God has given us just because we have, we're just so stuck in this, this mindset of I don't know why this happens, and I don't. Maybe it's because to, to know real love, you have to experience something else. Maybe those things, when we, when we read a biblical writer, it says count it all joy when you come into all these things, all these hard times. And I'm going, what? But I do know this. I've been on the other side of some of those and thought, man, that taught me a lesson I wouldn't have learned otherwise. That helped me grow as a person. That actually helped me get closer to God. I don't want it. I don't want to experience that in order to feel that closeness. I'd rather it be a lot easier path. But at the end of that, those who persevere, those who choose God above all of those other things, those other things that can sidetrack us, can knock us off course, to those people, you become a part of that multitude. I don't know what the singing is going to be like in heaven. Anybody got somebody in their life that has passed, but you can still hear their voice, still hear their singing. Just an aside, this is free. This, this week we were talking about, uh, me and my boys were talking about uh, their grandpa, uh, Katie's uh, mother's dad. And he passed, what year was that? Just a couple years ago. And uh, so we were talking, and Logan, Logan's five, and uh, five and a half, and he said, uh, you know, I don't really remember grandpa. And I said, well, I do. I said, uh, I, said I, can, I can still hear his voice. I said, can you still hear Grandpa's voice? And he said, I don't hear nothing but you talking. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> Out of the mouth of babes, right? But I can't wait to hear the voices of my brothers and sisters around the throne of God singing songs and being together. And I pray to God that none of the hardships that we face, none of the loss, none of the the hard times and all the things that, that can come our way because it is life and we, we have these things, we experience them. I pray that none of those knock us off course. And we do find our home, we find our reward. And God has done all of that for us, hasn't he? That he even sent his only son, not to be sheltered from all of that, but to experience it just as we experience it. Isn't that interesting? that God desired to experience life just as we do, that God was not someone just, just distant and stepping back and saying, hey, y'all should do better. He sends his only son to experience the exact same thing, even to the point of death, even an early death. That's one of the hardest things for us, isn't it? Someone who's 102 passes, we're like, man, good life. Somebody 33 passes, we think life cut way too short. But the end for both is this, around the throne room of God, being sheltered by his presence, no more hunger, no more tears, no more fear, no more scorching heat, amen. And I pray that as a church, we are people who desire that relationship with him. That God is a loving God, and I know when you talk about pain and suffering, and you see that at least God allows these things to happen you think, well, what kind of God is that? Well, it's a God that wants to save you for the rest of eternity. That's who wants that for you. So if you have anything this morning, we want to encourage you to pray. We want to encourage you to get that relationship right. If you need to pray with me, we're going to have a song in just a second. 
love to pray with you. But if you're not comfortable with that, grab someone who loves you, who you trust, who will hold you accountable, and do that. Because it's not, again, it's not about this, it's not about me, it's about people coming to God and making that relationship right. Would you do that right now as we stand?